Reality Check Podcast. I'm Zachary Phillips. Episode 3. The importance of detachment and how small levels of success could actually be holding you back. The aim of this episode is to discuss the concept of detachment, why it's important in both life and business, as well as how to detach. We'll also discuss how small successes can actually limit larger gains by blinding the individual from the whole picture. So first an analogy. Let's imagine you're on a deserted island. You're standing at the base of a mountain, dying of thirst. But you know that somewhere on the island is fresh water flowing in a river. What are your options? To me, there are three. Option one, you look up, open your mouth, and pray to God that it will rain, and that your mouth will get filled with water, saving you. Option two, you start walking through the forest in search of the river. You know it's out there somewhere and you're going to get there. You figure that you're thirsty and that you just need to find the water. So you head off and just go for it. Or option three. You climb to the top of the mountain, survey the land, find where the river is, see if there are any paths leading directly there, and then you head in that direction. To me, the answer is obvious. You climb to the top and find out where the river is. Yes, you'll be wasting some time and you don't know what you'll discover once you get there and you might actually be going further from the river. However, by going to the top and looking, you're guaranteeing that when you do head out into the forest, you're heading in the right direction. In real life, the stakes aren't as high as dying of thirst. However, people are faced with these three options all the time. To me, most people seem to be option one or two people. Option one people wait for life to happen to them. These people are always saying that they want to do this or that, and they just sort of sit there, hoping that their dreams will fall into their laps. Mouths open, praying for rain. Except in real life, they're not waiting for their thirst to be quenched. Rather, they're waiting for their dreams to be fulfilled. They're waiting for opportunities to travel, or to move house, or to start a family, or a new hobby. They're hoping that good things will come to them, and yet they're not doing anything to make it happen. Perhaps they're just afraid, citing a plethora of excuses as to why they can't change their circumstances. When my kids are older, I'll make the change. I'll travel after I've paid off the house. I'm too sick to do that. What if something goes wrong, etc, etc. If this is you, please stop. There's never a good time for anything. The lights are never all green. If you want to make a change, there will always be challenges and obstacles that come up. But that is part of life, and you'll adapt. You'll survive, and then you'll thrive. Besides, what's the alternative? If you don't take any action, nothing will come to you. You'll always be looking back at your youth, regretting missed opportunities, and hoping that something exciting will happen. It won't. In five years, you'll be in the same position, wishing that you'd acted sooner. If anxiety is holding you back, I recommend you read The Happiness Trap by Dr. Russ Harris. I've given this book away at least ten times. It really helps you to detach from your negative thought patterns, as well as take action. So now we come to option two people. These people have recognised that they have a problem and they've acted. They've dived straight into the forest in search of a river. Like a dog on a bone, they're going for something and they're going to get it. These are the people that post endless motivational memes and videos on social media, saying how much they're grinding, bragging about the hours of hard work they're putting in and how they're getting closer and closer to their goals each day. 
Now, don't get me wrong. Some of these people are well on their way to success, but a lot are just doing the equivalent of walking through the forest, hoping. Yes, they're productive. I mean, at least they're taking action. But are they taking the right kinds of action? Well, maybe. I mean, they're infinitely more likely to succeed than the ones with their mouth open to the sky. They may make it to water eventually, but it's not guaranteed. They might even be seeing results. They may be successful. But are they being as successful as possible? Are they seeing the right results? In my mind, you can improve yourself in four main areas. Mental state, physical fitness, intelligence, and financial state. So let's say one day you wake up and you realize, oh my god, I've been standing here for years with my mouth open and it still hasn't rained yet. What do I do? And you start to hack through the forest, saying, you know what, I'm going to get fit. So you join a gym and you work out heaps. Day in and day out you're in the gym. And now it's a year later, you're strong, you're fit, and you're looking great. Awesome. The problem is, is that you're still deficient in the other areas of your life. Perhaps you've seen some of the gains in mental state. I mean, exercise does release endorphins. But the underlying causes of your internal suffering are still there. Financially, you're in the same position. And intellectually, you've only gained health and fitness knowledge. Now, don't get me wrong. Congratulations on the improvement. But you're not done yet. Option two people are at least taking action. But are they taking the right action? I mean, now that they've improved significantly in one area, perhaps they need to rectify that with other aspects of their lives. They need to detach and see how else they can improve. Otherwise, they'll be forever hacking through the forest, hoping they're going in the right direction. These people now need to become option three people and climb to the top of the mountain, so to speak. So how can we do that? What can we do in our lives to detach? Detachment is basically stepping back with the hopes of seeing ourselves from an external perspective. Because from that vantage point, we'll be more able to be objective and rational in our decision-making. An example of the benefits of detachment are apparent to all of us. If you've ever had a friend or a family member that's complained to you about a life problem, saying that they've tried this or that to fix it, and yet they're still struggling, you've viewed their problem with a detached perspective. Often, the solution will seem obvious, to you at least. Only if they did this one thing, or thought slightly differently about the problem, you know they'll be fine. The problem is, is that they are too close to the problem themselves. They can't see the forest for the trees. Detachment is the reason you can better analyse your past errors. By no longer being in the emotion of the moment, you can see the event for what it was, as well as the best course of action. From a detached vantage point, things become clear. Now, there are any number of ways to develop the skills of detachment, but I'll outline three that I like that you could easily apply to yourself today. The first involves conducting on yourself what businesses call a SWOT analysis. This will basically involve brainstorming what your internal strengths and weaknesses are, as well as the opportunities and threats external to you that may present themselves. Let's talk strengths. What are you good at? What do you know well? Are you extra competent in a particular area? Really try and describe your talents. All of them. 
I found that pretending like you're talking about someone else can really help with this one. Do the same thing for your weaknesses. What aren't you good at? What do you avoid? What tasks do you put off or give to someone else? And what areas of knowledge have you designated as too hard? In relation to opportunities, what things external to you, if applied correctly, could be of great benefit? What is the skill set of your friends and families? Could they teach you anything? Do you have any investments like a house that you could leverage against? Where do you work? Could you use a professional development through them? Expand this further. What is the general state of the economy? What's the season? What are the trends? How can these be opportunities to you? And finally, what things are threats to you? Has a new business opened up near yours? How's your health and that of your family? What's the worst thing that could happen? So take a few minutes and write down your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats. Be as thorough as possible. Once you have this list, you'll be able to see yourself from a more detached perspective, like you're looking at someone else. From there, you'll be able to make better decisions. The second method to detach is similar to the first, but instead of looking at yourself, I want you to get someone else to do it for you. Find someone that you can trust, somebody who will be honest with you and tell you how it is. Ask them to point out to you your strengths and weaknesses. Get them to tell you what they see in you. Now start small, because this is a very confronting activity, and it can get quite heated. But here's the thing. If that person, or anyone really, says something to you that hurts, then that suggests that you may need to inquire further. It most likely hurts because there's some truth in their observations. If there weren't, you wouldn't care about the statement and you'd just brush it off. The key here is trust. You need to trust that they have your best interests at heart and they need to trust that you won't get upset with them. Their external perspective could really help you to see yourself in a different light and may help you to view your own problems from a new vantage point. In the same way that you can see other people's problems and the solutions to them, someone else may be able to do the same for you. If you can hear their advice, perhaps you'll be able to solve previously unsolvable issues in your life. The third way that I encourage people to detach is through mindfulness meditation. Put simply, mindfulness will help you to see things as they are without labels or judgments. I want you to imagine your, your mind being like a bottle of water that has dirt placed inside and shaken up. Mindfulness meditation is basically the equivalent of letting the dirt settle to the bottom so that you can see through the now clear water. Try this. For 10 minutes each day, I want you to sit upright and focus on your breath. Don't get too bogged down in the details. The position of your body doesn't matter. I just want you to be comfortable. Have your eyes opened or closed. It doesn't matter. All that you need to do is for the 10 minutes, focus on the sensation of your breath, entering and leaving your body. That's it. If thoughts, emotions, feelings, memories or physical sensations arise, that's fine. Acknowledge them 
and return to the feeling of your breath. If you get distracted and forget your breath, that's okay. When you realize, simply return to the sensation of your breath. Don't get angry at yourself or judge how you're doing. Just breathe. Repeat this daily, make it a habit, and over time, you'll feel more detached from your emotions and you'll be thinking clearer. If this approach appeals to you, a great resource is Mindfulness in Plain English, so I'll put a link in the show notes for you. So let's look at the importance of detachment with some real examples. I live nearby two cafes. Both are excellent at some of the aspects of business, but are quite lacking at others. Both are successful in that they're operational and seem to be making a modest profit. However, in my opinion, they're underperforming. They're good, but not great. The first cafe has amazing, high-quality food at a great price. Everyone that eats there leaves content, often staying back to specifically compliment the owner on how amazing their meals were. Most locals that know about this cafe are regulars. These guys are often addressed on a first-name basis by staff who ask them questions and follow-ups from previous conversations. It's a real family environment, and it's clear that the owners value interpersonal relationships and customer satisfaction. And that really shows. Thanks for listening. And if you're after more content, I also have a blog that I update regularly, as well as a one-minute video series where I'll be sharing insights on a variety of topics, including mental health, motivation, psychology, and philosophy. I'm releasing a new video daily. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please do me a massive favour and either review it on iTunes or recommend it to two people. Share the link with them and tell them why they would enjoy listening to it. Finally, I'd love to hear from you, so please connect with me on social media. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Zachary P. Phillips. Links to these, as well as anything discussed, are in the show notes. Because of the lack of integration with online social media, they can only really share this cafe by direct word of mouth, which is not ideal. The second cafe almost has the opposite issue. They look slick and modern, and they have a massive social media following, and are involved in every local event, festival, and celebration. They encourage Instagram engagement and even use Pokemon Go lures to attract more customers. However, their product is overpriced and of mediocre quality. The staff seem more interested in promotion than in customer service, and often come across as quite rude. The result is that they're able to attract new customers constantly, but are unable to keep hold of them beyond one or two interactions. Thus, they're perpetually needing to promote themselves in order to keep a steady flow of new business. Despite having different issues, both cafes need to step back and detach. Their owners need to spend more time working on the business as opposed to in the business. If they did, then they may realize that they're significantly lacking in some areas of operation and could take steps to address it. Unfortunately, however, Because of the success that they do have, these businesses seem inclined to continue down the path they're on. They are both successful and are amazing at what they're doing. But that success could be blinding them to their flaws and areas that need improvement. These businesses are option two people. They're hacking their way through the forest and grinding it out. They have an approach and it's working, 
but they could be doing better. The final example I want to address is of myself. I've always been a naturally shy guy. Growing up, I was quite nervous about talking to people, looking them in the eye, or even making phone calls. I thought it was normal. However, over time, I began to realise that this was a weakness of mine. So I had a choice to make. Do I face the fear and interact with people, or do I let the fear control me and limit my contact with others? Up until then, I've been hoping that one day I'll just become confident. However, like we've discussed, it just won't happen. One of the best things that I've learned is that if you have a problem and you can identify that problem, you'll be able to take some steps to fix it. So for me, this meant reading books on social psychology, neurolinguistic programming, and confidence building. Books like Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People are great at highlighting social norms of behaviour, communication intention signs, as well as pointing out some simple psychological tricks that are great for getting any interaction off to a good start. To this day, I still have some nerves, but I'm constantly looking for ways to improve. Recently, I was promoting a small business at a market stall. Initially, I sat there and waited for people to approach me. However, this was not producing the desired results, so I decided to hand out flyers to the passers-by. However, something interesting happened when I went to stand up. I felt nervous, sick to my stomach with fear. So I promptly sat down. I'd never been that flyer guy. I knew I'd face rejection and potentially anger from people just wanting to get by their day without being harassed. So my brain instantly began rationalising why I shouldn't do it. It threw excuse after excuse at me. You don't like flyers, so why should they? You haven't been asked to do this, so why should you? Surely you could get someone else to do it. If you're handing out flyers, there won't be anyone at the stall to greet customers. So content with my decision to sit down, I stayed there for a while. But then I decided to try detaching. And I realised something. I had to do it for myself, as a self-development activity. It was going to suck, but I had to do it. And I'd be better for it in the long run. So I grabbed the flies and began. Now from a promotional perspective, my actions were an absolute failure. Never in my life have I been rejected so many times, or so quickly and thoroughly. Of the 50 flies that I offered out, only one person took it from me. I turned just to watch them walk straight to a bin and throw it out. But that's not the point. Through detachment, I was able to step back, analyse my fear, and take action. That day I gained something. Not business promotion, but personal development. The process of detaching, finding our weak points, and addressing them, reminds me of something that one of my first martial arts instructors would repeat over and over and again to us. He would always insist that we must train our weak points until they become our strong points. And this holds merit. In life, just like in a conflict, we can't always stay in our comfort zone. But if we first recognise, then improve upon our weak points, we will be better prepared for whatever arises. If we can step back, detach, 
and work out where we need to improve upon to accomplish our goals, we are focusing our efforts in the right areas. Then all that's left is to take action. Or to put it more bluntly, we need to stop merely hoping for rain. We need to close our mouths and climb to the top of the mountain. Survey the land, find out where we're going, and head off in that direction. It might take us longer, but at least we know we're going to get there in the end. Thanks for listening. And if you're after more content, I also have a blog that I update regularly, as well as a one-minute video series where I'll be sharing insights on a variety of topics, including mental health, motivation, psychology, and philosophy. I'm releasing a new video daily. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please do me a massive favour and either review it on iTunes or recommend it to two people. Share the link with them and tell them why they would enjoy listening to it. Finally, I'd love to hear from you, so please connect with me on social media. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Zachary P. Phillips. Links to these, as well as anything discussed, are in the show notes. Thanks.